everybody, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast, conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi, and I am your host. If you enjoy my podcast, you can support it in a number of ways. You can rate, review and subscribe to it on your podcast app or on iTunes. Uh, You can follow me on social media and you can even support the show by joining me for a chat. You'll find all the details at the end of this episode and in the show notes. Today, I got to sit down for a chat with Driss Mee, who is also known as Coach Driss. Driss is a fascinating man. He, um, he used to be an art director in an advertising firm, but left his cushy job to travel the world, from Morocco to Scandinavia, and then to the US and finally to Bali. Driss has now tailored his life for the love of waves, blissful temperatures and good vibrations. You could say that Driss was one of the first pioneering digital nomads of his generation. Driss is in fact a mindset and performance coach. Beyond this mysterious word is a fascinating job. Driss empowers his clients to get into the right frame of mind to make the changes in their lifestyle, in their careers or improve their sports performances. Driss has coached athletes, businessmen and women and is particularly interested in helping disillusioned millennials that are searching for a purpose in life. Driss is among the best of his generation and he is even certified by Forbes. In this episode, Driss shares the major pillars of his philosophy and his method and he shares a bit of his life story from growing up on the shores of Morocco to living the dream in Bali. He gives advice on how to foster your mindset to make major changes in your life, perhaps even a career change to get closer to the surfer's lifestyle. At the moment, Driss is training the Chinese surfing team for the Olympic Games and we get to talk about that too. So without further ado, please welcome Driss Me, the Mindset and Performance Coach. Hello Driss and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. I'm actually a little bit tired, to be honest. Uh, I've been working a lot lately. It's yeah, been intensive weeks. But I'm good. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to have this early break in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's the afternoon over here. And to have this uh, conversation with you. Excellent. Well, I'm really thrilled to have you on the podcast. And I guess maybe before we start, do you think you could introduce yourself to the listeners? Well, the way I usually introduce myself to people, say I'm I'm the mindset coach. Like if it's in a professional setup, say I'm a mindset coach, I help young professionals and athletes improve and advance their career or their personal life sometimes. Athletic, business, or sometimes just life as a life coach. I don't like to call myself also actually a life coach, but it resonates with a lot of people. They understand what it is. While sometimes mindset coach, you don't know what it is. Otherwise, as uh, just me, my friends think that I am not putting myself too much forward. So I don't know how to introduce myself. <laughs> they think that maybe I'm too humble about who I am. And then it's just like, hi, I'm Dries. And then when they ask you the next question, I say, oh, I'm Dries from Morocco. I live in Bali. Like very short answers usually about yeah. uh, who I am and what I do. Okay. So whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in Morocco. I spent most of my years there. So I moved away when I was uh, 28, I think, or 27. It wasn't a planned move. Uh, I just took my backpack and traveled a little bit around 
Europe and a little bit of America, a little bit of Southeast Asia, about 24 to 25 countries before making the move to Sweden. So, but I grew up in Morocco, in the capital of Morocco. Most of people think it's Marrakesh. It's not Marrakesh. Most of people think it's Casablanca. It's not Casablanca. It's Rabat. It's this small city, two million people by the coast, northwest of Morocco. And uh, there's no dunes and camels. It's a city, but it has beautiful beaches that are very empty uh, during the, I was going to say the winter, but actually not. So from September until till maybe mid or end of May, it's all yours when you're a surfer. So yeah, that's where I grew up. Excellent. Excellent. And what kind of a sort of family environment did you grow up in to have such a sort of multicultural background? I grew up in, I would say, uh, middle class, mom and dad, two little brothers, two younger brothers. I'm the oldest one. And uh, I spent most of my childhood, actually, in teenage time with my cousin, who's actually half French, half Moroccan. So he's the son of the sister of my father, who's married to a Frenchman. So we were very close. We were actually the first kids of my grandma. So we were very much spoiled in that sense. And we did everything together from, from a young age. So there was this sort of cultural diversity being in a French slash Moroccan. Mm-hmm. But also in Morocco, it's quite diverse. It's known for being a country that is very diverse, very contrasted, not only from the culture, like we have the Berbers, we have uh, the Arabs, we have the Jews, we have the French that have been living there, Pied Noir, they call them, like we were born there and grew up there. I have also, I get to meet a lot of Americans and Spanish when I was maybe in high school and a little bit over that when university and so on. Because there's a lot of embassies, there's a lot of cultural places where we get to meet. So I was exposed to that diversity in people quite early. Which always, which is always a good thing, you know, mm. like you being in international school somehow. Mm-hmm. And through surfing and through connecting to that circle of people, you meet mostly Europeans, Americans, or bicultural mixed people, because those are the ones who would do surfing back then. Mm. It was not a sport that is accessible to everyone. That's really interesting. And so what actually sort of inspired you to sort of take off with your backpack and explore the world? Was it a friend? Was it your cousin? Was it uh, the people that you hung out with? Well, I think I had it in the back of my mind for a while already that I wanted to, to travel and see what's out there. I think my, the first time I went, I traveled outside of Morocco, I think I was 21 or 22. And it was to Spain, Marbella, I remember. And I was just curious about what's in Europe and what's in the world. Like we're internet was there i think already we look up to different cultures and so on so yeah i I visited before i visited spain and holland and france and uh, i think even italy bit in my early 20s and then at some point when i was 27 28 i had i think my first early quarter life crisis where i said okay i'm done with this job that i was doing i was our director advertising our director back then I'm done with this job. I'm going to take off and see what's out there and just travel around. I had that dream and it tasted so good to think that it's possible to do it then. So in the beginning, I thought I was going to do it with the car, but really? like it's going to be too complicated, especially if I want to stay more than three months. You cannot 
keep the car outside of his hometown more than three months. So the easiest way was to go train, boats, and other types of transportations in Europe. And so, yeah, that's what happened. I made a little plan. I had a backpack, computer, I think, also. Booked a ticket, you know, that I don't remember the name of the ticket, but the one that allows you to use any type of transportation all over Europe. A sort of interrail kind of thingy. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I helped into, I think, most of the capitals. I did most of the capitals and some other cities in, in each country. I started with Scandinavia. I started in Denmark. That was a quick one. <laughs> I think it was three days only. And then I went to Norway, I think, one night in uh, Oslo, and then a lot more nights in the fjords. I was camping high up there in the fjords. That was really beautiful. It was September, if I remember well, early September. So it's still fresh, but not cold or freezing. And then Sweden, then Finland, then the Baltic countries, and also Indonesia. And so was that before or after that job that you had in Sweden? No, it was way before. It was, that was way so before? It, yeah, yeah. It was, I was in Morocco and I quit my job in Morocco as an art director. Okay. I did about five years in Morocco in that mm -hmm. field. And then I thought, okay, I'm never going to do this anymore. I was really tired of it. I was really over it because, you know, our expectation from the workplace is different from what we are taught in school. We're taught in school, you're going to be creative and you're going to be doing advertising and working with arts and colors and campaigns that are imaginative and everything. But then once you are out there, I remember my first experience, I was extremely disappointed because there was no process of whatsoever. And I worked in a really big agency. Really? To say the name of it right now, it was one of the best. And when I tell you afterwards about it, you will know exactly what it is. So there was no process, no all these things that we, we've been taught in school. We couldn't apply them. It was okay, take a product, make it look better than it is, sell it to people that doesn't even maybe need it. Yeah. And yeah. the product itself was not necessarily meaningful. I mean, the client was the king. If he wants pink, if he wants blue, he put blue, and, and that's it. So I was really disappointed from the first experience ever, and I haven't even finished my degree back then. Right. And I was a doctorian for all the years, so I was really motivated to go there. So I pushed through anyway, and I, okay, it's not what I expected, but let's just do it. And it was good money, and bounced from an agency to another one. But at some point, I was okay. I will go back, back now, travel and find my way in a different field, not in a different country yet. Mm. It's just let's find my way somewhere else, something else I can do. I didn't know about coaching back then yet. My cousin would say something different. He would say, you were talking about coaching before. I have no memory of that. <laughs> Absolutely not. And then so when I uh, passed by Scandinavia, I was really seduced by the standards not only the work standards and the workplace standards, but also the um, somehow the fairness. I don't know if the word is fairness. The flat hierarchy system, your boss is your friend slash leader, and you got to decide all together. So I was seduced by the standards. I, I was naive enough to think, it's going to just be easy. I'm just going to go there and tell them I have a master's degree and I have experience with X and Ys at brands from Morocco. And they would tell me, yeah, come in. Just here's job for you. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. I had to push through a lot and doubt myself a lot, knocking the door. I did all of it, 
to really get that job. I had a deadline of three months. But anyway, before even getting to apply, I finished my tour about four months, I think, five months of traveling. And then at the end of that tour, I was supposed to go to South America. I said, okay, hold on, let's not do South America now. Maybe you should give it a try again in uh, Sweden or mm-hmm. actually Berlin, Germany. So I had these two, thinking of these two. So I decided to go for Sweden. And then I thought, maybe I can give myself another chance in that same field, advertising, marketing, and interaction, because it's done differently here. Mm. And it can be more creative. And it was indeed different, and it was indeed more fulfilling. And uh, yeah, that's what happened. Then I applied for the jobs. Actually, applying was not the right way to do it. It was connections. And I had no connections. in I had to go and meet people, and I had to go out at night, and I had to network like crazy and there was no specific way of doing it like go to a network event or something no, i just had to go clubbing network <sighs> events cultural events linkedin mm-hmm. and then from one thing to another i get actually a photographer job and for that company that i worked with for all the rest of the time they had three different departments mm-hmm. and one of those departments were doing they were doing school photography and they were innovating how school photography was done. So I knew how to use a camera. I got that job. I went in dynamic, young team, about, I, think, I don't know, I think 60 something people. The bosses, they were my age. The office was, was just amazing, blowing the mind. So I really showed good intentions, good work. And they offered me one of the main bosses, because they were three. He told me, I have this product, which is nothing with school photography. And I want to you to take some pictures of them. So it was this jumpsuit, you know, the onesies? Oh, yeah. The onesies, yes. It was big back then. It was just start of it. Right. So me, I have this product. Can you take some pictures of them? And like models, pose mm-hmm. them. And so I'm, okay, what do you want to do with that? Like, just, because I, didn't want, I was curious if it's just pictures or something else. He told me I want to do a campaign. And I said, okay, aha, this is the time where I can show off what, what I can do. Because there's not any more photography here. It's about the campaign. Mm. Give me some input. He gave me more input. It told him, give me two, three days to come up with a campaign. I came up with a campaign that blew them. They was, okay, wow, how much you want for this? I told them I want a job here. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, okay, let me think about it. They were all quiet in the room because I quickly made mock-ups and they were not expecting it. So let me think about it. And they offered me three months. And those three months, I just... Changed uh, the branding, did the campaign, changed the website. I mean, I set the tone for the whole brand, which was a really big kickstart for it. And then the mother company, so they had three companies and their school photography, the onesies, and the mother company who has different products, decided to hire me full-time. And that's what happened. That's how I end up working in Sweden. That's amazing. And so what actually sort of sparked, because it sounds like a really sort of cool job, you had responsibilities, you were doing something that you were really interested in. What actually sort of clicked in your mind that said, okay, I've had enough of this, you know, this is not my true calling. Mm. And I want to sort of break free of the system. What, What happened? Well, after a couple of years, I think about four years on, the, on, on doing what I've been doing, I was wearing different hats. I was head of my department. This was outsourcing with a lot of freelancers from different places in the world, Spain, Ukraine, UK. I had a lot of responsibilities and it was an exciting job. 
dynamic company was third best workplace in Sweden. So it was really, really rewarding emotionally to do what I was doing and see people recognizing the value of it. But, you know, at some point it became repetitive and somehow I get bored of it. Mm. Get bored of it and wanted, you know, we all want some sort of growth or keep on learning, but always we get bored. And I was looking, okay, so what can I do differently? What is it that I can do? Within the company, I couldn't climb more because I was already in, reached the ceiling there. Uh, the company was having a lot of changes also in management, which was not comfortable for mm -hmm. many of us in the company. And of course, I went to Bali in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking about Indonesia obsessively all the time. And uh, so how can I make my life closer to the ocean. I grew up by the ocean. Yeah, so there was definitely and that. I moved component. to Sweden. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> I was following different things. I was following different priorities, which is somehow I wanted to to make a point with what I was trained to do and uh, prove myself I can do it in even a different country. I don't know if it was for ego or for, for ego, by the way, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. <laughs> so... I was on my second quarter life crisis, 30 or 31 or 33, something like that. I can't remember really well. So I wanted to do something different. I knew it was going to be about self-employment. I think I was already thinking about coaching. I went first to the States uh, for a trip. The company I used to work for allowed me to work remotely. So I did another backpack trip from east to uh, west while working remotely. Brilliant. And I get inspired during that time. It was actually the first time I was using Uber, Airbnb, all those marketplaces that oh, yeah. connect yeah. people together. And I, I enjoyed it. And then I arrived to Santa Monica. And I was like, okay, my God, so beautiful. The beach, all the pictures from my childhood. This is the first time I arrived there. And of course, the first thing I think of is I want to surf. And there was no no way I can uh, really know where to surf easily. I mean, I didn't have my, it was not a surf trip, so I wasn't, I wasn't carrying my material, like my surfboard and equipment. But I thought, oh, I wish if there was an Airbnb that shows you who is available and who can go with you with, on, a, on a surf trip and, or like just a surf session, show you where and have equipment and everything, make it easy. I end up surfing, I think, two days after when I met one of my childhood friends who lives in San Diego. And it was really, really, really amazing to connect with him again, also to surf those places. It was December, I think. Yeah, it was really good uh, weather also in December and wetsuit though, but really good weather. Anyway, long story short, we did a long trip from South, from San Diego to San Francisco. It was amazing to do it with my friend. And in San Francisco, he dropped me there. He went back. I met my other childhood friend. And my back was aching because we were sleeping in the car and on the floor uh, in Big Sur and all this uh, surf spots, legendary surf spots there. So I thought, oh, it would be great if they, I could do the, uh, some yoga class, but I want to do it with one person like because you want to know people, yeah. want to connect with people like we're doing here. You and I. So it didn't exist, that app. It didn't exist, that website that connects like-minded people who like surfing or yoga. So I decided to create one. So I went back in Sweden. I thought, okay, this is my self-employment thing. This is what I'm going to do. This is going to be your and side hustling. Yes, that's what I'm going to be doing. So I had a plan. I knew how, who, where, where the developers were sitting because I used to work with them. When I was tra trained to outsource things with them already. So I decided to do that. In the meantime, 
in the company I used to work for, I used to be the guy who would always talk about like productivity, time management, priority management, communication in the workplace. So the company I used to work for paid for me training for coaching. So I can coach my colleagues and help them out with uh, professional development. So what happened is uh, I liked it a lot. And I was like, this is what I should be doing. I had it in the back of my mind and quit my job. Mm-hmm. It was really wow. clear picture. Okay, I'm going to quit my job, sell my apartment, move to Bali, <laughs> launch that website, the surfing yoga, I think one. It took me about three months to create it, and which was uh, really, really fast. Because I was the designer slash the, the client who knows about the product. And so yeah. so it was up and running. In, in the meantime, or a little bit before that, I already started practicing coaching, like unofficially back with the colleagues and friends. And then in uh, Bali, when I created my own website and, uh, and, uh, and, and that's, so my career as a coach took off a lot faster than that website, surfingyoga.com that I actually just sold recently. Mm-hmm. And it took off because also I, I had the shortcuts. I had the marketing skills. I knew how to market myself and expose myself to an interna- international audience, an international mm-hmm. Clients, I knew how to pass on the message to get it there. Where usually someone who would had my training the same time I did it, maybe he would have either to learn how to do it himself, which takes sometimes time, or hire someone which may pay someone. Yeah. And I had those shortcuts. I knew how to do it. I put myself out there, which gave me the possibility to get international exposure, but also quick experience. Hmm. To the more clients you have, the more experience you have. Yeah, yeah. So it was a sort of ongoing process how long did that actual transition take place how long did it take you from the day you decided to quit your job in sweden and actually sort of have your first client as a coach paid clients it was uh maybe by the end of 2015 or no Mm -hmm. actually september or october 2015 i came back from the state in january 2015 I sold my apartment, quit my job, and I was in Bali in March 2015. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> that was fun. When I think back of it, I think my vision was very vivid, right? So now I'm breaking it down. So yeah, for people, yeah. if they want to take notes, it's time to take notes. The vision <laughs> was very vivid. The self-talk was positive. So I was, it's going to happen. It's possible. I'm going to make it happen. So it was positive. It was not foolish it was real mm. in the back it was of course question marks will it work what happened if it doesn't work what's the question what's the backup plan so i had some backup plans in the back of my mind so it's good to have those there yeah, yeah. it's good to have a b plan but it's good not to be held back by what's the worst thing can happen you just yeah. need to know what it is and keep it there on the side and keep moving forward follow what you have to do and the result could be great and amazing. You can plan, strategize, positive, open. Excellent, excellent. And so I guess the training to be a coach, is that an ongoing process or did you have to sort of get certificates or oh, yes. NLP sort of mm. trainings? And also, I mean, how long did that take to actually sort of actually have the credentials? It was an ongoing one for, I think, about two years. Like mm. The first training, then you have a break, you practice, and the second training, the third training. 
And uh, like the main training I had was with global NLP training. It's a company based in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. Holland. What an amazing teacher. Very inspiring. I did it twice. So I did a retake, even if I, it was a good deal. And also I wanted to confirm what I have learned and reinforce it. So I did it twice. And there was the ma- the practitioner, the master practitioner, and the post-master practitioner, which happens two years later. I had some certificates or so on sports psychology that I did also remotely. The international business psychology at work, uh, positive psychology, things about human behavior. So I kept on learning. Like every time I hit a point, either with a client or by listening to a podcast or mm-hmm. reading a book, and I'm curious about it, I just go on sign up for a course or something where I can learn more about it. And the learning curve is never ending. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. And so could we just sort of focus on what NLP is or global NLP is? It's, it must be so vast that we don't have time to sort of go over it totally. Yeah. But can you sort of give us a gist? Sure. So global NLP training is the name of the school. Okay. But uh, it's just the name of the school. The core education is about neuro-linguistic programming NLP, which is to simplify it, I would say it's a tool that would help you understand yourself and understand clients more and connect with them so you can help them the best way possible. And it uses frameworks from uh, psychology and human behavior and positive psychology. There is a negative stigma sometimes about NLP. So I'm not putting it in on LinkedIn, for example. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. people who think people who study NLP, sometimes they tell you, I press this two times and think about happiness. And then after you will become happy every time you think about happiness. This is somehow setting up an anchor for happiness. An anchor is a very simple thing. When you listen to a music that you have been, or a song that you have been listening to when you were 18, you will remember how you felt back then. You will remember what maybe you smelled, what you saw, what you were hearing. And who, where were you? Maybe you will even vision it, right? That's an anchor. The music is an anchor to some emotional and physical auditory kinesthetic uh, state, okay. right? So NLP uses this as a, an anchor, for example, for, not necessarily foundation, one of the tools. There's a bunch of tools. It's like right. a suitcase of full of tools, and this is one of them. But the stigma that I was referring to is that people would think it's some woo-hoo thing, mm. right? So it is not. It is quite pragmatic, rational, uh, structured processes and methods of coaching, if you want to use it as coach. Mm. Most of the people that trained with me didn't use it as a coach. They used it in management. They used it in HR. They used it in their personal lives. So I don't put that one forward mm. as NLP coach because people don't understand it yet. But yeah. when people ask me, I explain to them what it is. I use, I would say... 30 to 70% of it in my practice, in my coaching. I blend a lot of things. Yeah, because you have a really holistic approach in mm. your coaching where you'll go through diet and nutrition, you'll go through the mindset, which we'll maybe focus on mm. a bit later, uh, later on. You go through the physical, all sorts of different things blend into your coaching. Mm. And that's, I yeah, guess, right. that's really, really important for your clients. Mm. Yeah, it is, especially when... Uh, with athletes, like nutrition is the least thing that I, I get involved in. Like I can ask questions and let them figure out because about philosophy, like my favorite way of coaching is asking questions. So I ask you, like, what do you think about your nutrition? Do you think it's in check? 
And they would say, yeah, I don't know. Are you satisfied about how your diet is? And they would say, I don't know, maybe it's a six or seven satisfaction level. And how would a nine look like? And they would say, well, a nine will be feeling light, feeling energetic, feeling this and that. And I will tell them, okay, what stops you from being a nine already here? And unsatisfaction level when it comes to how you eat. And they would say, well, maybe what's stopping me is preparing meals or knowing what I have to eat. And I tell them, okay, now you know what you have to do. You have to look it up. So mm-hmm. this is where I would be doing when I, I help them find their own answers. Yeah, you're empowering yeah. them to actually sort of take their own steps. Yeah, but it's mostly on the psychology that I work. Yeah. Less than in the body and less than the nutrition. But I blend in. So let's talk about, let's focus on, on mindset for a while. Mm-hmm. So what kind of a mindset is holding most of your clients back from their goals? The critical thinking, the negative self-talk, the limiting beliefs, the self-doubts, the um, broader perspective, the possibilities that are out there. Yeah, these are the type of mindsets I would say. First of all, like let's define what is a mindset. Yeah. What does mindset is? Mindset, for me, personal definition, probably existing definition as well is a set of principles that you are equipped by, that you live by. And those principles is simply statements, phrases, beliefs that guides your life, that guides your behavior, your attitude, and even your emotions. So, for example, a positive belief that could be a part of your pack of principles is when there is challenges, I just move forward. There is always a way. If there's a way, there's a way. So I'm equipped by this type of mindset and I add to it different ones that are similar, that are positive. They will constitute a pack of principles that will be part of who I am. And then I can call myself, I don't know, like having positive mindset or having a growth mindset. Mm. Yes, the growth mindset. This is kind of the basis of your philosophy. Could you elaborate on the growth mindset? Growth mindset, uh, it's Carol Dwork who came up with this uh, term for the first place in her book. And it's simple principles. Like when people who have a growth mindset, they persist when facing challenges. People who have fixed mindset, they slow down or stop when they have a fixed mindset. People who have growth mindset can navigate around obstacles, uh, while people who are, have fixed mindset, they will completely change direction maybe if there's a obstacle or stop or give up or something again with a growth mindset if you have criticism you don't take it well with fixed you take it well i mean like with growth mindset when you have a fixed mindset you don't like criticism and you just say it's not useful well people who have growth mindset they will see it as a feedback The other principle is that people who have growth mindset, they will see other people's success as a way of learning, like they learn from it, while people who have a fixed mindset will feel jealous from them or envious from what they have to doing. So, see, it's like four or five basic principles that were highlighted in her book that I work with as well with my clients. And can you actually change the mindset? You can remodel the mindset that's possible. Yeah, you identify the beliefs that are holding you back, that are negative or part of the fixed mindset. And you find out like how you can flip them or reframe them so they become more positive, more uh, empowering, and that can help you move forward. 
And to give you an example of how it works, and this is the one I use most of the time with my clients in my personal life as well, is let's take the example of this conversation we're having. It started with, I believe, this conversation could be interesting or that person could be interesting for my audience or for me to have a conversation with. We started with a positive thought about this conversation. It led to have some sort of positive emotion. I don't know, excitement, looking forward to it, like it's a positive emotion. It led us to have an action or behavior, which is signing up, clicking. That's the action. That's the third piece. And then the fourth and the final one, as a result of that thought and that emotion and that action, we are having this conversation. Mm. So this four-step thing works for absolutely everything we do in life, consciously and unconsciously. So if someone wants to, I don't know, change an outcome or a result, a situation that he's not happy about right now, he has to go three steps backwards to the first step, which is what do I think about that topic? Can I change my thought about that topic? Can I equip myself with a different mindset about that topic? Once you change it, when you flip it, then the emotion changes. So from maybe negative or unresourceful emotion to a positive one, then the actions changes and ultimately the, the outcomes and the results change. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's super interesting. So we recap the four steps. So the first step is sort of visualizing belief. belief. So belief, if you want to change an outcome, if you want to change a situation, any situation, business, sports, or I don't know, personal life, if there is a situation that you are unhappy about, then you have to go first to see what you think about that topic that you want to change. Maybe you have and you hold in some sort of negative thoughts about it. Let's put it in a context so it's easier to do. Let's take surfing since we're about okay. the ocean and all yeah. that. So, so if you think never going to be a good surfer, that's the first thought. You might feel a little bit discouraged, some sort of negative emotion about going and surfing more often, right? So you feel a little bit discouraged, a negative emotion. And then your actions is going from time to time, trying a little bit, not really practicing and training hard, right? And as a result of that, so that's four step. You are You're where you, you have always been, right? You have <laughs> you you will be where you have always been. Now, if you want to change it, like I want to improve my surfing, so you have to go all the way back to the beginning and say, actually, it is possible. It's hard, maybe. It's maybe I'm a little bit older than other people, but it doesn't mean anything. If I put the right work, I can become that surfer that I want to be. So you change the thought. What will you feel? You will feel, okay, I'm excited. I am motivated. So the feeling changes positive. You go more often to surfing or you plan for it or you do whatever you have to do. So the action and behavior change. And as a result of it, there will be improvement. Absolutely an improvement. Mm. So these are the four steps and you can apply them for any single thing you think of. Excellent. So that's the one I use. That's like, say, the template and the framework that I use for most of my clients. But there is also more into it we talk about also about values and why it is in the first place important to them to improve that surfing. Why yeah. do you do it? Like if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, it's not going to happen even if you change your, your mindset about yeah. it, even if you change your self-talk. So first we start with identifying their why. Why are they doing it? Like their purpose? What's the reason? If it's to be better than other people, not necessarily a good thing. If it's because it brings me joy and happiness and contentment and fulfillment or some sort of abstract keywords that we call values, 
then yes, there is something there to pursue. Mm. But let's be more specific. Let's make a plan. Let's break it down into milestones. Structure is very important. But yeah, the first two principles I start with is identifying the negative self-talk, the limiting beliefs. The second one is identifying the why to make sure we're doing it for the right reason. And then what comes after is planning, strategy, structuring, and having fun, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's just really exciting. And so you also work with a lot of athletes. And right. um, have you sort of found a specific pattern? Because I guess the mind of an athlete, it must be a bit more competitive than non-athletes. Is there a specific pattern or a behavior or a mindset before you sort of start working with them? I tend to find them quite similar but different at the same time. So I like working with athletes because they actually know what they want and there is less emotional baggage carried. It's like, okay, it's about winning, becoming the best version of myself, or improving. I don't know. It's more clear why they're doing it. And there is less emotional baggage because like, they're not carrying something heavy that is holding them back from moving forward. They need clarity so about direction how to do it and they need to work on self-talk negative self-talk limiting beliefs and changing their mindset that's common so far and they have the structure already inbuilt especially if they have been doing that sport for a long time athletes are very organized structured people so you don't have to like with other type of profiles sometimes i don't know structure is missing and they need to work on that first, you know, like mm-hmm. be organized and structured before wanting to follow something. You need some sort of structure before moving forward. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I listened to one of your podcasts and you were talking about talent and hard work and what's best for athletes. What would be more beneficial for an athlete on the long term? I definitely believe in hard work. Hard work <laughs> beats talent, period. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm right now coaching a national team from China uh, who preparing for uh, the Olympics. And uh, it's amazing what you can see. Like, I mean, none of them is born with talent, really. Like, I mean, they have been surfing for not so long, but they have the discipline that these kids have, the hard work that they are putting into their training is so fascinating. Like, it's exemplary. Really? If someone is telling you, like, talent matters, it's like, okay, come see these guys. They're just pushing through, competitive between themselves, very open to learn new things. And those are the type of uh, mindsets and qualities and skills that one needs to be equipped by. Curious, open-minded, hard worker, disciplined, and enjoying it and having fun. We tend to talk a lot about discipline and structure and all that, but fun is very important and they all do enjoy it. So we use the same frameworks that I use with other type of client profiles, but on a sports tone. Yeah. So specifically with the Chinese uh, surfing team, what did you learn and what, what did your students learn from this experience? I think they would say they have learned a lot with me. They're very positive about uh, our experience. they actually talking about bringing me to China for 2020. Like they have been talking about like a permanent position and that, but wow. nothing sure yet. Like we're <gasps> still talking about that. We will see what can happen. So I guess they're very happy with my uh, approach and how uh, I am uh, working with them, what I'm teaching them. And what did you learn in this process as well? I think I I even wrote something about it recently, Uh what I learned with them. I learned that talent doesn't matter much. Right, right. I learned that talent doesn't matter much. So many kids have shown great progress because of their hard work. That's the first one. And 
I learned also that self-reliance is a really good thing. It's the best thing that you can teach people. So like giving them responsibilities, like so they can help each other. Like this afternoon, they had like a skateboard training and I just spotted the two that are good and told them, you are coaches now for your teammates. Teach them. And then the one that, that learn, they will teach the other ones. And I'm just sitting in the back there observing, mm -hmm. which is a good thing because you see the smiles, you see, it's very gratifying. And I also teach them to do self-assessment. So when we do video analysis, I'm not standing there and telling them, you need to change this and this and that. So I'm okay, we're watching 10 minutes of video. And after that, I will ask you, what did you learn? What do you have to change? What do you think you should do? And then I will tell them, do you have questions? Is there something you don't know how to do? Mm. So they learn to self-assess and recognize their mistakes. And this morning we did the competition and even got them like to judge themselves at the end. Like, what do you think? Self-reliance is important. So they're not dependent on anyone. It's going to help them in many levels. It's going to help them in personal life and like in the future for them. Yeah. And uh, the third thing I wrote not so long ago was about mindset over everything. So <laughs> I can't say it enough, invest in your mental game. How often I told them it's about focus. So even this morning in the contest, like the, it was an internal contest, you know, mm -hmm. like between it, ourselves, like yeah. it, to put them in the same sort of pressure that we have in a real competition. So And it was, yeah, we could easily see the ones who are unfocused, the ones who are maybe nervous a little bit from their body language, from their hesitation sometimes in the wave. And we keep on talking about focus. So how do you train focus? What is focus? I like to tell them how you do anything is how you do everything. So mindset is something you train all the time. Surfing, you train it three hours a day, skateboarding, maybe half an hour, an hour a day. Fitness is like an hour, two hours a day. But mindset is something you do every time, all the time. Yeah. And so is it what, breathing techniques or meditation? What kind of methods do you... Those are coping or emotional management tools. Like meditation is some sort of focus training, yes. Like uh, focus on your breath, focus on your physical senses, focus on your auditory senses, what you're hearing, and then go from one, the other one, to the other one, to the other one. They don't like the word meditation. People mm -hmm. have also, again, a stigma about meditation. Meditation is not only about sitting down, crossing legs and humming and lighting candles. In <laughs> sports, it's a little bit different. I call it focus training. So it's goes easier for the people who are skeptical. <laughs> so meditation can teach focus because it, it wires the brain in a way where you will focus on one thing at a time, not everything at a time. When you're nervous or you're in pressure or there's coach in the side, public in the other way, in the other side, opponents there, your mind is all over the place and you need to quiet it and focus on the single important thing you have to do, which is scoring, which is reading the wave, which is... And one at a time, no multitasking. So meditation helps. Yeah. It's a tool. Breathing is the most efficient one for quick a reframe of how you feel. If you're feeling nervous, like a couple of breaths and then you relax and uh, push the right hormones into your system, right doses for everything in your mm. system so you can relax quickly. So mm. There's a lot of strategies that I share with them. Those are tools that I'm still teaching them. Right. right. And the challenge is, is everything is in Chinese. I don't speak <laughs> yeah. Chinese. Of course. <laughs> and it's Google Translate. Ah. It's uh, body language. It's a couple of 
words here and there with their team leader who can help me a little bit in English. And I introduced them to the breath work from Wim Hof. Yeah. And they had a little bit of skepticism about it. It was actually a Friday, which is almost the end of the week because we train also Saturdays. And I told them, okay, they did metabolic conditions, like the toughest workout ever. And they had long week and we had sometimes, you know what, I'm going to introduce them to that breathwork method and I have no Chinese version of it. So I took aside one of the team leaders and who was also training with them. She's young. And I told her, okay, when he says this, it means inhale. When he says that, exhale. So just follow these steps here. Is, and we're like really trying to break it down in a very simplified way. And I pressed play on a YouTube video where they can only hear the sound. I put them on a circle on the floor and they have done. And they did it. 15 wow. minutes, three rounds. Skepticism in the beginning, but I can never forget their faces and their smiles and their eyes were at the end of it. <laughs> They were just sitting in a circle and I don't know what they were saying, but it was just joy. And I don't know, they were surprised by the effect that it gave them. And then this morning I saw two of them doing it. Really? On their own? That's where that, Yes. That's when you know that they have learned something yeah. and they have appreciated what you gave them. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so brilliant. it's gratifying to see that. That's brilliant. So I have the feeling that I've been a kind of in a career change limbo for quite a while. And what kind of advice would you give somebody who's contemplating making a career change? Break down what you did to actually face those bigger waves and what have you been doing? Like, how did you face those challenges? How were you thinking about them and everything? So if you find out you're breaking down to, like you break down the process and the attitude and the mindset, you can take those processes and apply them to anything else yeah, in, in life. This is skill transfer or resources transfer to other things. Like this this happens a lot with uh, athletes, but also with um, people who want to change career. They often label themselves as with the job that they have, they were doing. So they think, okay, I have been a doctor all my life. What can I do now? Can I just quit and change? I want to do something different. I'm happy, but what should I do? I tell them, okay, hold on a second. What uh, skills did you employ during this whole period of you, if your life, both school and uh, practical career, that you have employed to help you get to this point of your life, which mm. you cannot deny that there is a certain success in it, whatever that success means. So look at those skills and re-identify yourself on who you are as those skills, not as the title as that you have. So those skills... Yeah, you can transfer those skills to, to the next step. Like athletes also when, at the end of their career, the same thing. Like, oh, I'm going to do, I was a soccer player all my life. And you can transfer them. And if yeah. there is ones that are not yet there, so then you can look at how you can improve them, how you can learn them. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, yeah, the fact that actually the identity is what defines you, not the job that you do kind of thing. It's your real, true identity. Yeah, identity is... Uh, the skills that you have learned, your emotional intelligence. Yeah, those things are what oh, really identifies who you are. That's fascinating, Driss. It really is. It's, it, I could go on forever sort of having this conversation, but I guess we'd better move on. And I just wanted to sort of go through exactly what kind of different services you offer in your coaching business and what people can expect if they hire you. So mindset and performance coaching for business professionals as well as athletes. So that means we work on the psychology mainly and we hover over other parts of 
what it is to become performance, which I don't know. We're going to talk also about sleep, about food, about attitude and behavior, of course, but it's not really only mindset, but mostly mindset. That's the base. And what I mean here by business professionals, people who are active, you know, we all have some sort of job. So I don't know, I didn't know how to call it, but like you and I are people who have some sort of activity and they want to move it to the next level. I do enjoy a lot working with athletes, much more. But I also work with business professionals. I enjoy working with them, especially the ones that are ambitious, wanting to do more, be more. And yeah, ambitious. Ambitious is uh, the right word here. So mm. figure out things, create processes, be creative. My clients that are athletes are a wider range. So I would mm. say from the youngest one I had, I think he was nine years old. Wow. I only had one that is nine years old, but then I had a good range between 12 and and 18, and then I have um, the confirmed ones that are between, I don't know, 20 and 30 years old. Right. Aircraft aerobatic, golfer, uh, stand-up paddle uh, surfer, they have car racer from the UK, rugby player, yeah, a wide range of athletes. With uh, business professionals, it's usually, say, between 25 and 35, and those are the ones that usually ticked all the boxes as young adults, between 25 and 13. Okay, now what? What do I do next? I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I want to do something different. Or still at 25, 26, and like I was before, like them, I was, okay, I'm disappointed from the workplace. This is not why I studied to do what I do. And now I want to figure out what's the next steps. And I have so many plans or I have no plans at all. And I want to do something and help me out. Help me figure it out. But 30 to 35 or even 40 years old are often already there on their path, like uh, working hard and that, and they need these small tweaks you know, mm. to, to improve. They're quite self-aware. They have done some sort of work and they want the small tweaks to improve even more or yeah, get to that passive income yeah. or something. <laughs> and <laughs> I do have also an older clientele. Recently, I've been working with people between 14. This is the oldest one I had. 56, I think, or 57, wow. and a different stage of their life. And I respect that a lot because they go and talk to that younger guy that is younger than them and, okay, help me out with this or support me during that period, which I find very interesting and fascinating. It humbles me. Yeah. So I offer this type of services remotely mm-hmm. most of the time. 90% of my clients are abroad. I never meet them. They call me, they find me on the internet, and then we get in touch and do the work. And I have a, uh, another type of service with locally in Bali where I meet clients face-to-face in sort of very different retreat. It's mm. a one-on-one retreat. When people hear retreats, it's like a group of people doing yoga, drinking grass shots and doing uh, meditation all day. It's a little bit different. I call it retreat because it's a good commercial name. It works. It attracts people. But it's actually a sort of retreat. It's five days intensive surfing in the morning to loosen them up. And they like surfing and they like the water. And there is a really huge benefits from being in the ocean, you know, mm. the Blue Mind book. So it's yeah. the benefits of being in the ocean and near the ocean are amazing. So it does help them a lot in many ways. And then after that, we meet in the morning and we have our breakfast. We chat, we get to connect with each other and do the work two to three hours over breakfast every time in a very different place so they have to discover they can discover a little bit of the amazing places in Changu and Bali and then the afternoon they do their yoga class with my business partner yoga teacher 
in our studio, yoga studio. And then all time between that, they have a lot of homework. So oftentimes at the end of the five days, they are not so rested. <laughs> they are exhausted, exhausted actually. Yeah. <laughs> exhausted. It's not a typical retreat. Like I said, the homework are cerebral and mental homework. They have mm. to really drill in there to find the answers and plans and strategies for what they're looking for in the first place when they reach out to me. This type of clientele is similar to the first ones, but not often athletes. I get mm. like life coaching kind of clients and personal and professional growth kind of clients. That's service number two. Service number three would be my online courses where I uh, have recorded videos and created material. I spent a lot of hours, a um, lot of dedication there, finding and curating the right material to make it as simple as possible, as clear as possible, as efficient as possible to the people who maybe doesn't have time to sign up for the one-on-ones. It's right. time-consuming. You need to dedicate a couple of hours, you know, like sometimes per week, sometimes uh, per month, to do the one-on-one work. Or sometimes just a preference. People would like to have something and go in their own pace. So there's two courses out there. One is called the Watcherman course. And the Watcherman course is not about becoming a Watcherman. It is about becoming a Watcherman. It's like pushing through your boundaries, your uh, limits to enjoy more time being in the ocean, whether you're a surfer or a kite surfer or stand-up paddle, people who like sport, water sports, showing them the tools through PDF mm-hmm. videos and also not my own videos, but other videos, people like inspirational videos and educational videos on how we can go step by step to improve your water sport. Either you are an athlete, professional one or a beginner or an advanced one who, I don't know, want to ride the big waves out there. It's a holistic one. And the other course is the career change course. Yes. Um, The same templates, I mean, with the... presentations with pdfs with exercise with homework and they can sign up on it on my website okay those are the main services i have okay well that's really exciting. and then you have a podcast as well which is really exciting where you interview athletes yeah this really- is offering value podcast yeah articles i write on my website on forbes or on other platforms is to be able to offer because i want to have 360 kind of um, value you know People who doesn't want to buy anything or mm-hmm. can't buy anything, they can still find information that is useful on the podcast, on the uh, articles that I write, or uh, ebooks that are free and uh, available on my website. So, yes, I do like and enjoy having conversations on podcasts and writing articles. Yeah, that's excellent. In the show notes, we'll put all the links to all the different uh, ways of getting hold of you and your different profiles on Forbes and on on your website. And I guess before we leave, any advice to where to go surfing in Bali at the moment? Don't go to Bali. Don't go to Bali. There's no waves here. There's no waves here. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Okay. Note taken. (laughs) Okay. And I have the four last questions are basically sentences that my guests finish for me. Mm -hmm. So the first one is, I love. Surfing. I miss my family. I wish I can surf every day. <laughs> and I want a life full of uh, joy, happiness, contentment, growth, adventures, love, warmth, success, and uh, connections. Excellent. Lovely. That's a lovely way to finish this interview. And um, how do you feel? 
I feel emotional. I feel Aww. great. It's <laughs> nice to have a conversation with you. <laughs> That's great. And uh, yeah, well, before we leave, how to get hold of you? Please give it your sort of Instagram website. Coach Tris on Instagram mm-hmm. and uh, website thebodyandmindcoach.com, thebodyandmindcoach.com. That's the easiest way to connect with me. And then the email is dris at thebodyandmindcoach.com. You cannot miss a link or a button to contact me on my website because I highlighted them all, call to actions. So just click there, reach out. Um, my Instagram also have all everything you need to reach out to me. And I will usually respond to anyone and everyone. And okay. There is no, yeah. I'm always uh, try to be as available as possible to everyone. Okay, well, thank you so much, Driss, and uh, all the details will be in the show notes. And thank you for being my guest today. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. That was a fascinating conversation. I'm really grateful for Driss's advice about career changes and the growth mindset. Driss is definitely a living, breathing example of the power of the mindset, and it certainly managed to tailor his lifestyle to fit with his love of the ocean and surfing. I guess if you'd like to go further with Driss, you should look him up directly online. His website is www.thebodyandmindcoach.com, and his Instagram account is at coach underscore Driss. He's also got a Medium account. You can look him up at Driss, the Mindset and Performance Coach. The Ocean Riders podcast is a passion project and if you like it, you can support it in a number of ways. Number one, share your love for this podcast on iTunes by giving it a few stars or a review. Better still, you could subscribe and anything in this direction increases my ranking and lets more people hear about my fascinating guests and how they are creating a surf-friendly lifestyle. Number two, comment and join the conversation on social media. You'll find links to my social media accounts on theoceanriderspodcast.com and you can also connect with me directly on Instagram at the Ocean Riders Podcast, on Facebook at the Ocean Riders Podcast or on Twitter at Imi Podcast. And finally, you can join me for an episode or work with me. Just send an email to hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com and I'll take care of the rest. That's out of the way now. I would like to thank Driss for being a wonderful guest today. And I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Until next week, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.